Hello, friends. Welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. This is episode 26 of our series on friendship. Mentors. The bad and the ugly. Whoever walks with wise men will become wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 13.20 Before we dive deep into this podcast episode, I have a couple of amendments (laughs) to make about last podcast. First of all, I kept on saying Arminian, Armenian instead of Arminian. And the way that I'm going to remember this in the future is that Armenian with an E is for ethnicity and the people group. And Arminian with an I is for the ideology. And now that I have a way to remember this myself, hopefully it will help you as well. The second amendment I have to last podcast Uh, My husband was listening, and he noted what I said about church being a trigger. And he did not feel comfortable with what I said about um, it's okay if you don't go to church if you're still socializing with believers. And here's why. Church is where we take communion. Church is where we participate in baptism. And those are really important events in a believer's life. And so if there's a season where that you need to take a break from church, that's one thing. But when you're strong enough, um, I would encourage you, and, and honestly, before you think you're ready, I would encourage you to start showing up at church again and pushing yourself and, um, Ultimately, you will want to settle into a a community, but if you need to try out a few different um, churches and see what triggers you and what doesn't, um, I would encourage you to do that. And again, the very basic criteria for a good church is that you want to find a church that loves Jesus, they teach the Bible, they don't just read a verse and then talk about something else. Um, You really want to find a church that does expository teaching, and expository is a big word that's based on the word expose. And so the principle of expository teaching is that you are walking through a passage or a book, and you're exposing the truth in that book consistently, and you're, you're you're working through scripture as a cohesive whole. And so I would shy away from uh, churches that only do topical studies. I've done, I've, I've heard a lot of topical sermons and there is a time and place for those and those are great. Um, but a really important part of our growth with Christ is understanding the whole context of the Bible. Um, I'm I'm in my reading plan I'm getting into 1 Kings and I know that it's about <laughs> drama is about to go down and I'm emotionally bracing myself for the refrain of and the people of Israel did was did what was wicked in the sight of the Lord and the people of Judah did what was wicked in the sight of the Lord however 
If you don't understand the Old Testament, your understanding of the New Testament will be weakened. And to that end, I'm very passionate about all of us getting in the Old Testament, even if there's things we don't understand, even if there's cultural references that make zero sense to our modern context. Um, just showing up will help you. And one of the reasons that I really love uh, the Bible reading challenge that I've joined, it's a its a Facebook group. It's both a reading plan and a Facebook group. And what I love about the Facebook group is that at the same time, everybody will be reading the same passage and conversation will start about well, that was an interesting verse, and oh my goodness, did you notice that thing over there? Now, if you don't have community, um, a Facebook group that's reading the Bible could be a very, very good resource for you. Even if you're not strong enough to read the Bible yourself, and you just kind of lurk along in the shadows and read the conversation and hear you know, women who are farther along and more mature in their faith discuss these difficult verses, that can be a really powerful form of discipleship. And um, if, if you do have a group of people in real life that you can read the Bible with at the same time, um, I've, I've never had that opportunity, but I think it would be absolutely fantastic. It gets you all in the passage consistently, in the same passage, and then you can like talk about it regularly, or you know, let's say that you have a group chat, and then it's like, wow, did you see this? And then when you meet up in person, you can like go deeper into what you've been learning and observing in the text, or just like the overarching themes. Um, we are not meant to do Christianity alone. We're supposed to do it with other people. That's what the word discipleship means. And that is a part of the Great Commission where Jesus says, go into the ends of the earth, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Making disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. That's powerful. And knowing that God is with us as we learn and as we teach others is foundational to to our walk with Christ. And if you're not in a in a in a situation in a community where you're being discipled, you should be. And I would ask that, I would encourage you to pray for that and, and ask God to show you and to bring you into that kind of community. Which is an excellent segue into our topic of conversation today, which is bad mentorship. You know, what happens when mentorship and discipleship go wrong. Now I'm going to define my terms a little bit. Discipleship is something that all believers should be participating in. Mentorship is a little bit more uh, one-on-one and it's a little bit more 
you want to look for the good apples. Um, that phrase doesn't make sense to by itself, but I will explain it. So um, if you've heard the last podcast, I gave the example of both Paul and Timothy and Elijah and Elisha. And Paul only had one Timothy. He invested very, very deeply into him. Um, and Elijah only had Elisha. And, he, and there were other good men who had not bowed their knee to Baal. But God gave Elijah Elisha to pour into. And so mentorship is a very intentional one-on-one relationship. Um, I think mentorship works best when they are organic and God is the one who does the pairing. Um, over the past month, God has put a young woman in my life who I am mentoring via email. And this is an area that <laughs> both she and I have scars because I've messed up and she's messed up. And so when I use the word mentoring, that kind of was a trigger for her. Um, and I, and I want to start off by saying, you know, if this is a trigger for you, I'm sorry. And we're going to talk about it. And also, I've already recorded next podcast. And it's literally all about working through triggers and how that is an important part of our maturing. And so that podcast will come out next week. I'm very excited about it. Um, just there's a lot in that one. But we're going to just focus on mentoring and validating bad mentoring experiences and talking about why they were bad. Um, a, a Something I'm getting into currently is somatic therapy. And soma is a word that means body. And so this is therapy where you are addressing the triggers that the body is carrying and you're focusing on making the body feel safe so then you can really think clearly about what's going on and you're no longer in flight, fight or flight, but you're able to calm yourself and and live in a calm awareness. You're not in freeze and you're frozen and you're just like a gazelle waiting for the lion to eat you and you're not in gazelle running mode, trying to run from the lion, trying to eat you. You're in a calm aliveness. And so one of the things that Dr. Amy Apajan, um, that I've been learning somatic therapy from, and while she's not a believer, there's a lot of science-based things in that, and that's what I am learning and taking from her. And I will have her linked at universestream.com slash health. One of the things that I am learning from her is we have to make sure that there is no danger before we can feel safe. We need to verify, okay, is there anything under the bed? Is there anything in the closet? If so, we should go open the door and look. Um, if we're not feeling safe in the room, let's close the door and touch the walls. We walk around and oftentimes I'll do that and I'll say, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof which is from the Psalms, and just reminding myself that his creation belongs to him. And um, I don't have this issue now, but something you may need to do is if you have been involved in the New Age 
or the occult, you may have things in your home that you might need to get rid of. And um, in Acts, I want to say it's chapter 19, they actually burned occult books and you know, they were worth a lot of money and they'd spent a lot of money on these books and these scrolls, but they burned them because they counted all of that false spirituality a loss compared to finding Christ. And so <sighs> cleansing our homes and our spaces from <laughs> demonic presence, not just bad energy, but demonic presence is very important. And um, it is, while it is, is not biblical for a believer to be possessed, we can still allow the enemy to have a foothold. And that, that is spoken in scripture. Do not let the enemy have a foothold. So what are we thinking? What do we own? Um, and, and we can still experience enemy impression and, an enemy stronghold. So that's something really important. Um, and I would strongly encourage you to fast and pray um, about that. Now, I've gotten way off on this tangent. Um, and I am repeating some things I've said elsewhere in my material. If, if you want to watch my YouTube videos on homemaking, I've talked about this a little bit more in depth. Um, but feeling safe in our space is really important. And feeling safe going into a mentorship is really important. And if you've had a negative experience, then you're not going to feel safe going into a new mentorship. So I began this email conversation with my new friend and I used the word mentorship and it scared her. And I, at the same time, was working through some triggers because I was remembering how I had failed as a mentor. Um, I had allowed myself to be motivated by guilt and um and I did some things I should have shouldn't have and I I handled some things really cruelly um and I I am walking in the trust that God is going to redeem that. And and yes, I have apologized. It took me 2 years embarrassingly enough to apologize for that but I did and um I trust that God's going to redeem that in her life so I've given one example of I was motivated by guilt and something I have learned like with discipleship yes there is an obligation there but with mentorship even in discipleship yeah this is, this is a delicate line to walk. There are times where we should do things, even though we don't feel like it, out of obligation, because it is the right thing to do. There are other times where the Lord loves a cheerful giver, and if we cannot give cheerfully, then we shouldn't give. But, in contrast, I believe that tithing is an obligation. Now, I do not have a donate button anywhere on the internet. So I can say this as bluntly as possible. If you are not tithing, you are disobeying God. Yet, yes, it's in the Old Testament. And yes, it is still in the New Testament. Render to Caesar's what is Caesar's and give unto God what is God's. The responsibility 
of taking care of the poor, the widows and the orphan, that is the church's responsibility. It is not the government. And the church got lazy. The American church got lazy and let the government step in. And that's why foster care is such a mess. (sighs) Because the church got lazy. And there were Christians who did it right. And there were Christians who, yes, they will be in the kingdom, but... They're not going to have the fruit to show from being obedient. They're, they're, yeah. There's, uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 3, and it says, Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Servants of the Lord. You know, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation... With, you know, he will be measured by what he builds with. And, and at the end of days, his work will be tested by fire. And so if he is invested into the discipleship of the church with bronze or precious stones or gold or silver, his work will be proven fruitful. However, if he used straw or cheap materials if his efforts were selfish, that will also be revealed at the end of time and it will be set ablaze and he will escape as one escaping fire. Now, I paraphrased 2 Corinthians 3 very roughly there, so go read it for yourself. Um, But that passage really speaks to the responsibility of believers and especially in the area of mentorship, um, I, there's been a conversation this week about Lori Alexander, and I've talked about her in the Language of Respect podcast, and Debbie Pearl, who she greatly admires, um, and both of them are very much of the Gothard clan, and the Gothard ideology, and I, I cannot endorse those women and their teaching. They are they are cruel, inconsiderate, contentious women. And um I, I would not be friends with them in real life. So which is as a woman, that's kind of the strongest insult that you can give another woman because women we we function very much on finding common ground with other women. You know, we want unity and community. That is something that God has hardwired into us. And thank God for it because that's what brings about healthy camaraderie of you watch my kids and I'll work on this and I'll watch your kids and you work on that. And, you know, finding our place and everybody pulling their weight to keep the fire burning and especially if you're in a season where you can't get ahead, just keeping the fire burning is, you know, maintaining what you have is really beneficial and important. And so women, we're very much focused on community. But when there's someone who is who who proves themselves untrustworthy, you know, the way that a female community exercises a 
discipline of that member, whether it is appropriate or inappropriate, um, toxic Toxic friend groups will use this inappropriately, and healthy friend groups will use this appropriately. And it, it, the method is of shunning. You know, I, there are women that I will not associate with, and I try to be very, very limited about who I say I don't like because anytime I do that, I am then alienating the people who admire that woman. Um, I'm alienating them from what I'm saying, um, from my message. And there are people I feel very strongly about that I have never said anything against. So just because I don't talk about certain women doesn't mean that there aren't more that aren't a problem. Um, but I, I talk about the women that I feel are most concerning, um, and I'd also talk about the principles that I think you need to have in order to evaluate who you're going to look up to. You know, it, at the beginning of this conversation, I talked about if you're not in a healthy community, if you're not in a place where you have a one-on-one -on -one mentor, look for it digitally. Pray for God to bring it to you in real life. And we're in a season where a lot of mentorship is digital. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, we have a mentoring relationship in a sense. Asterisks, terms and conditions apply. It is a parasocial relationship in the sense that I do not know your specific life circumstances. Therefore, I cannot give you specific life advice tailored to you. However, I take this responsibility extremely seriously. I... I I do not know how to emphasize that enough. Like, I pray to God that I point you in the right direction. I pray over my words. Am I emphasizing correct, balanced doctrine? And am I, am I doing it in a way that is accessible to people who are otherwise afraid of, of, of big words? Like, I used the word expository, and then I broke it down to mean exposing scripture. So in this era of digital mentorship, I want to empower you to be very, very careful about who you choose as your mentor. I'm just going to start saying words and you're going to react to them. I have not done this before, but I'm going to get start to get very specific. I strongly dislike Beth Moore. I think Christine Kane is of the word of faith prosperity gospel movement i watched a sermon quote unquote from her and the only thing i remember was her walking through this gate over and over again in very tight pants and i personally thought that was inappropriate i heard lisa bevere talk about her sunglasses and she couldn't stop calling them ray-bans and i was like ma'am why are you emphasizing a luxury item Meanwhile, I'm befriending the woman in the bathroom who just got out of jail. Like, how is your message talking about Ray-Bans at this woman's conference going to resonate with her? I, I, that was in 2018 and I am still deeply offended. I grew up listening to Joyce Meyer 
And honestly, Life in the Word was a pretty good ministry. But when she rebranded to Joyce Meyer Ministry, things went downhill, and I have not been impressed at all. Like, she is very much prosperity gospel, word of faith movement. God will make you feel good about yourself and your life. And, like, I'm sorry, we are not promised happy feelings here on earth. We are promised suffering. We are promised the peace that surpasses understanding. We are promised sanctification. And that's another big word for recognizing your sin. Oh, wow, look, there's another area of sin in my life. Oh, look, there's another area of sin in my life. Lord, help me. I repent. Help me to change. Help me to pursue you. Help me to practice love. Now, I say off, I spout off those names. Um, I've mentioned Laura Alexander, Debbie Pearl, the Gothards. Um, I have an entire highlight dedicated to someone else on my Instagram that you can go check out. Um, But here's the thing. In 10, 15 years, those names are going to be obsolete. Um, They're not going to be meaningful. Um, oh dear, I have another name I need to drop. Um, and this gives me absolutely zero pleasure. I do not take delight in calling people out. This is not fun. This is not interesting. This does not bring me joy. I do not like being a divisive person. Many years ago, via Twitter, I befriended a woman by the name of Jennifer M. Greenberg. And one of the things that she tweeted me, my original account, Inverse Dream 1, and if you look up from Jen M. Greenberg to Inverse Dream 1, you can find the exact tweets I'm about to reference. And she said, who would mute you? You're so sweet. And we had some other conversation going along those lines. Jennifer is is the pivot point for a conversation on the internet. And we're very much in the same circle as far as what we care about and what we talk about and wanting to see restoration done in people's lives very deeply. But over the years... Jennifer has demonstrated that she is immature and she is argumentative about things that are not worth arguing over. Um, She's very sensitive about things that she should not be sensitive over if she is going to be a, a voice and and the the spokesperson for a conversation. Um, a wise man overlooks an insult, and that is a proverb that's been really hard for me to process. Um, Jennifer has been confronted by multiple people multiple times for having poor discernment and and not judging things rightly and not thinking clearly and being contentious and being not serving other people with her words and her actions. 
and I sent her a video message about a year ago and I said, Jen, please, for the sake of your children, get off the internet for a couple years because you are alienating people who would otherwise be aligned with your cause and you're being contentious. And I sent that from my Inverse Stream 1 account because that was my oldest account. And I thought that she would see that and recognize me. And by the hand of God, he caused her, number one, to not recognize my face in that video. Now, granted, we hadn't had a lot of... We hadn't FaceTimed or anything like that. We, I, don't, I don't have her number. So we hadn't talked face-to-face. We hadn't heard each other's voice. She certainly hadn't heard my voice. And all that she noticed was that my account wasn't following her. And the fact that I had two other Twitter accounts linked in my bio didn't give her reason to click through and see, is this girl following me from another account? Who is this person? She just got very offended and blocked me and tweeted about it (laughs) on February, I think it was the 22nd of last year. So, and it was like a minute and a half video. Um, and it was really sad. Um, so, and I, I, I genuinely cared about Jen. I, I tried to give her advice on how to use Instagram. Um, and, um, I, I worry about her and I, and I choose to trust God with her, but I, I am concerned and I, I pray for her children and I pray that, I pray that wherever her path takes, that God will be merciful to her, even in the midst of her decisions. So I cannot recommend Jennifer Greenberg. Um, so it's important when you are looking for someone to be your digital mentor. Um, Number one, do they get into arguments easily? Um, I I can think of a handful of people on Instagram who I do not follow who will very quickly get up in arms over things that are not worth arguing about. And um, I I can't recommend those people. Um, In contrast... The second thing that I would look out for is, do they stand for hard convictions? You know, let's say that they talk about biblical submission in marriage. Let's let's say that they stand for um, not murdering babies under any circumstances. Talk, do they talk about things that risk them losing followers? Now, God has created some people to be more disagreeable than others. However, there is still a way to go about being disagreeable in a godly, respectful, 
God-glorifying way, in a gracious way. And one of the things that I encourage you to do, um, most women, we are more agreeable, and most men are more disagreeable. And God has intended that by nature because as women, our goal is to homogenize as a group. And for men, their goal is to go out there and compete against other men for the success of their family. And that's a good thing. God made us that way intentionally. So if you see someone having standing for a conviction and you're not sure if they're going about it in a godly way or a contentious way, one of the things that I, one of the rules that I made for myself many years back on Twitter was if I, de- if I get in a disagreement with someone, I will wait 24 hours to unfollow them. Now, that rule really benefited me because it gave me time to think and really weigh the decision about distancing myself from that person. And I... I don't practice that rule anymore because a lot of times I'll have a lot of clarity over this, I'm going to step away from this, <laughs> versus this is just a lot on the stories today and we're going to push through or I'm just going to swipe and I'm going to go on with my day, but I'm still going to follow this woman because of, you know, she's handling it well versus handling it contentiously. So that is something important to look for in a mentor, both in real life and online. Do they stand for their convictions? And are those convictions biblical or are they secondary or even tertiary issues? And tertiary is just a big word that I don't know what it means, but it means either like second or third. <laughs> my diction's over, my dictionary's over there and it's dark and I'm just I'm just not going to bother dig it up. And that's a fun fun fact about people with big vocabularies. Sometimes they know words and they forget what they mean and that's just part of life. So please don't ever feel stupid about not knowing a big word um, or wanting to say a big word and not knowing what it means. Just, you know, try and yeah, we have search engines for this. So um, the third thing that I would recommend looking out and being aware of is um, is the mentor taking on this responsibility lightly or flippantly and I say this because there was a friend of mine who shared that (laughs) she had a mentor and she messaged her one day and said, hey, do you want to go meet out for coffee? And the mentor replied, oh, I'm sorry, I moved across the country and I'm, <laughs> I won't see you again and ever, ever again. Have a great life. And that really hurt my friend. Um, and I was honestly kind of surprised that my friend didn't know that her mentor was going to move. Like, 
there there are there are people who go into mentorship with the mindset that is only a one way i give to you or i listen to you kind of conversation and i never share myself and as i said in last podcast i think the healthiest most sustainable mentorships are based in friendship and so I think a mentor should share a little bit about what's going on in their life. Um, You know, at least the headlines. And there's a way to do that that doesn't monopolize the conversation, um, that really, that still prioritizes the mentee. Um, And so I think, I mean, you can have mentors who are very boundaried in what they share about themselves, who still take the mentor relationship very seriously. Um, but I would also encourage you, even if they are very boundaried, be listening for ways that you can give back to them. We've talked about reciprocating. Um, you know, if you find out that they really like tulips or a certain kind of tea, bring a kind of tea that's similar to that one and said, hey, I saw this and I thought maybe you might like it because it looks similar to this other one that you love. Or I was just thinking about you and I saw these tulips and they were within my budget. (laughs) Or I was at the thrift store and I saw this painting of tulips for a dollar and I bought it for you. And if you are that person who happens to find a painting for a dollar that is perfect for your mentor, like praise the Lord. I'm so, so stoked. I cannot wait to hear the full story. Hashtag just other side things. But anyways, so be listening for ways that you can love them and honor their their boundary and whatever privacy they want to keep, but demonstrate that you are invested in the friendship. Um, that's... I, I know that when I am a mentor, you know, me going into this mentoring relationship... That's something that I am, I was very open about with my new mentee. And I, I'm volunteering certain information of, of um, hey, I was reading your old Instagram post and it made me think of this thing, over, this piece of content that I made or this art. And you mentioned this about your health journey and I take the same supplement and stuff like that. And so, um, um, but also sharing things about myself that encourage her, (laughs) basically practicing the golden rule of I'm treating her the way I want her to treat me. Um, and I, and I'm demonstrating that up front, um, of, hey, I wrote this long form post and it's really important to me and tell me what you think of it. And I I think this speaks to your situation that you're going through right now. And, you know, just because as a mentor, if, if I, if I am, if the, if the conversation is only me caring about the other person, that that's hard for me to maintain and I can do it, but I have to have a very specific calling in that season to invest in someone in that way um and 
I have a friend who's going through a lot of warfare right now. And so right now our friendship looks more like a mentorship than a friendship. And she's leaning on me really hard. Um, and she feels bad that she can't be more of a friend right now. And I'm like, girl, you are in warfare phase. Warfare phase. And I'm doing okay. And I give her I give her the headlines. I give her the short version. Um, but also, I don't lean on her right now. I, I go and talk to other people about my heartaches or my struggles or what have you, long version style. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll give her the headlines, but I won't to, to keep her up to speed. Um, but, um, and so there are seasons for that, but there also needs to be an ebb and a flow, a give and a take. And, um, you know, I think for mentors, it's there can be seasons where we just we just don't have it in us, um, and maybe there's stuff going through going on in our lives that, <laughs> and I I've certainly felt this. I've had stuff going on in my life that I can't explain to someone I'm mentoring. Um, It wouldn't be appropriate. It wouldn't be wise. It's too heavy for them. I need to go find someone, um, an older woman in my church that I can lean on. And God has been so faithful to fill my church with wonderful Christian women. And honestly, like just seeing someone in the church entryway and them asking me, how are you? And I just start bawling in her arms. I mean, and even last week, Sunday, um, I had just finished this art project, um, the Kite Song Sisters Make Paper Snowflakes, and I just finished designing it, and I was completely exhausted, and I showed up at church in my sweatpants and a sweatshirt, um, and it was a sweatshirt from Papa Jim on Twitter. And so it was so great to like be at church surrounded by people who love me and accept me. Even if I'm just like laying on the pew, like a sick person, I wasn't physically sick. I was just physically exhausted and like wearing the sweatshirt and that represented the prayers of the saints on the internet. Um, because Lord knows I could not do it without your digital prayers and mentorship and intercession. And, you know, I, I, I say this with great hesitancy, but Spurgeon, not to compare myself to Spurgeon, but Spurgeon did say, one of the reasons I am so fruitful is because my people pray for me. And that man only lived to 50 and he was prolific. And prolific is just a really big word for he did a lot of stuff. He was very fruitful. So I'm sitting in the pew and I even, I redid my hair. Like a lot of times I'll go to church with bed hair. Like my Instagram does not give the vibe of me in real life. I wear my husband's sweatshirts, my husband's t-shirts, sweatpants, long johns, hoodies. And I go to church looking like a slob. And my people love me and they know that I put my all into things and that I am showing up at church like crawling for 
um, spiritual nourishment. Now, sometimes I do show up nice with like makeup on and an outfit that was like color coordinated and nice. But unfortunately, that is the exception. And maybe eventually by me more consistent, but this is the season I'm in where I'm giving my all to my content. I mean, and and praise the Lord, like I made a lot of progress on uh, the house today. I did a load of laundry and I ran the dishwasher. Um, oh, puppers, please stop barking. And, um, and I went grocery shopping and then Ben made chili and we figured out this thing where Ben likes cooking like really big meals and he really likes it if I go get the groceries for him. So we found this really happy medium, which I, I love because cooking, I can cook, I can cook very well, but it's just like, it's not my natural skill set. So, but I say all that today, I say all of that to say I was sitting on the pew in my sweatshirt and my sweatpants, I had actually redone my hair, and my friend came up to me and was like, are you okay? And I was just like, she could see that I'm not okay. I was so blessed. And I just said, art is warfare. And she just nodded and like went to her seat because it was about time for church to start. And it was, oh, made me feel so loved. It was so great. And then at the end of the service, um, my pastor had just been on a study break for a month and he came up to me because I was talking to just, it worked out that we saw each other in passing. He was like, how are you? Or are you doing okay? (laughs) And I said, yes. And I immediately burst into tears. (laughs) And then I gave him the thesis statement, um, about art, which is an entire podcast in itself, and when it comes out, it will be titled The Making of a Zine, and I recorded that over the course of the entirety of December and the beginning of January. It's like an hour and a half long, but it is a blessed saga. A saga. (laughs) Ben is trying to go to bed. I should probably keep that quiet. Anyways, so, um, and he's like, I want to talk to you about that, so we are, he's actually coming over tomorrow for lunch, and Ben is, has the day off because he needed it for the car, and he didn't feel good, and our car is finally getting fixed tomorrow, praise the Lord. So, me and Ben will talk to my pastor tomorrow about art and the thing, because, like, I, I just need more spiritual backup. Um, and that's another thing about being a mentor, um, it's something to look for, and, and this goes into the, are they taking it serious, or are they, are they flippant category, part of, I don't quite know how to explain this, but part of being a mentor is that you bear spiritual burdens for your people, and I am not a pastor, I am not a preacher, I'm a woman trying to follow Titus 2, But also, I deeply resonate with the passage where Paul says, Who is weak, and I am not weak? And who is being mis... I forget the exact phrase, but who is weak, and I am not weak? And there's more emotion in that passage that I'm remembering on an emotional level, but I do not have the words at the top of my head to articulate beyond the phrase that I remembered, and I don't want to... 
mislead you. Um, but Paul felt a very strong burden for the people that he had facilitated bringing to Christ and was mentoring through his letters. And there was a season of mentorship where I helped my girlfriend get escape a very toxic family situation. And I was messaging her multiple times a day, every day, for at least a month, if not two. And we got through that phase, and it was incredibly intense, and I was very high strong. And Ben finally said, like, Meg, this is not healthy. And I was like, I just have to get her through this phase. So we got her through the phase, and and I told her, I helped you get through the traumatic season. I can't help you get through the PTSD. Like, I know you want to talk to me because I understand and I'm a safe person to process with, but I do not have the emotional resources to both help you process and and invest my emotional energy where it needs to go, which is very specifically in this season, my artwork. Um, and that is me holding an external boundary. And I wanted to talk about this in the podcast that I recorded next week. So you'll hear me lead up to it. And then like the Holy Spirit cut me off and sent me the other direction because it didn't fit with that podcast. Um, but I think it fits with this podcast, which is there are two kinds of boundaries internal boundaries and external boundaries and sometimes we need a combination of both if you don't have a lot of self-control let's say that you break up with someone or someone breaks up with you and it's really hard and you keep going back to their social media profile and scrolling or looking at their pictures In that instance, you need to set an external boundary of getting rid of the pictures, getting rid of your access to their social media account. Even if that means changing your password, giving it to someone else, and logging out of your account so you can't get back in or something. Like, if I was to take a true social media break at this point, that's what I would need to do because (laughs) I use the mobile browser way too much. Um, And is it tedious? Yes, absolutely. But if I am on a mission to help someone, if someone is at the top of my forefront and I want to send them a direct message or tweet something specific that I remembered and I'm not content to just put it in my notes app, like I will plow through the mobile browser rather than download the app, both for Twitter and Instagram. And I say this having already recorded, you know, learning slow living because this is important and I promise you it relates to mentorship, but just hang with me on this tangent for, it's going to be a bit. So, um, 
my internal boundary for myself is that I'm not relating to people emotionally online. So I have a lot of my friends actually muted on Instagram. I unfollowed everyone on Twitter except for Ben and God's Goodness 7 and my other account that I never tweet at. So, I mean, me muting and unfollowing is an external boundary. But me promising myself I'm not going to emotionally burn myself out on social media is an internal boundary. And so right now, that it's a combination of both. As my life continues to change and I spend less and less time, that'll be more of... It'll transition to more of an external boundary, I think. I'm not sure. Who, who am I to predict the future of what I'm going to do? I've been evaluating my relationship with social media ever since I've been on social media, and it's just a constant reevaluating, like, for all of time. So, <laughs> I just, I fully expect that to continue. Um, but I have a conviction at this point that I need to continue sharing content, so I continue sharing content. <sighs> One of the reasons that I, I must be so boundaried is because I am both a self-smart person and a people-smart person. And to define both of those, a self-smart person means that I'm very in tune with myself, my own emotions, um, and obviously that has improved greatly as I've matured as a person. Um, So, there's been plenty of times where I was, there have been entire seasons where I was rebellious or delusional, and God was very gracious um, to get me through those seasons and bring me back to wisdom and right thinking. Um, But in general, and certainly in this season, I'm I'm really self-smart, and what I mean by that is I recognize okay, I'm feeling needy in this area and maybe this is a healthy need or maybe I'm just feeling insecure and right now I need to practice contentment or I should reach out and find someone I can lean on and process this with. So I'm very, very in tune with myself and how God made me. A lot of my, I'm very aware of my personality traits and both their pros and their cons, their benefits and their challenges. Managing the challenges, maximizing the benefits. Um, and I'm very aware of how my per- the threads of my personality trait go back through my entire life and how they have interacted with the people around me historically um, different things that I needed that were different needs that I had when I was younger that were not met. And so now those are more ingrained. I I have also learned that I have, and this is a lovely tangent into people smart. God built me with a desire to love other people. You've, and it's, and it's, I have a very strong affection for other people and it it motivates me to take action. 
to be more specific because um, affection is much more specific than love. And I have expressed a lot of affection immaturely in a way that was not loving. And I've had to (laughs) learn from that and be sanctified of that and learn how to steward my emotions in a way that seeks the best interest of others. So, um, but I have a strong motivation to take action based on my affection for other people. And so, um, if I spend a lot of time on the internet and I'm relational, I will go about the rest of my day thinking about those people, thinking about whatever issues I saw or whatever, uh, news headline was top of conversation and that will soak up my emotional energy um i'm also because i am i'm i'm people smart and i'm intuitive i'm able to read body language i'm able to tell you know this person is sad or this person is tired you know there's a difference this person is discouraged or this person is controlling their anger or this person is angry because they're jealous or they're angry because they feel disrespected. Those are two very different types of anger. Um, and I can't say, I just kind of came up with that example. I can't say that I have seen jealous anger before, but I have certainly seen anger from disrespect before. And mostly because I said something to my husband and we had to work through that and I had to apologize and uh thankfully my husband is very gracious and he forgives me a lot of a lot of things that I don't talk about because that's private but they are definitely there so yes this is a fun part (laughs) fun is in air quotes this is a very real part of my marriage that I don't put on display because it's it's me and him and I I protect my relationship with him because I protect him um, and I'm also super, super vulnerable with all these other areas of my life. I need to balance that with some privacy in some areas. You know, people who are very vulnerable, people who are very open in sharing their families on YouTube, for them to do that in a healthy way, they cannot talk about their deep vulnerabilities with those people, like, and Jess from Roots and Refuge does this in a very healthy way. Like, she has never said anything negative about any family member, to my knowledge, ever. Um, I mean, she's made some references to people who have hurt her on occasion, but they are very unnamed. And she's very open about the fact that she's divorced. And she literally, I don't think I have ever heard her mention any details on that. She's had her ex-husband on her YouTube channel when he came out to visit their sons in the Carolinas. And she introduced him with so much honor and respect. And you could tell that whatever issues they had in the past, that they had chosen respect for each other and cordiality, which is a fancy word that's based on the word cordial, which means friendly. They've chosen friendliness. So... She's very, very boundaried about her private life because to balance out the fact that she's so open with, you know, all of her kids' faces and their personalities on the YouTube channel. 
etc. So because I'm people smart and self smart, when I am reading people, a lot of times I will apply my self smart intuition to my what I'm reading from my people smarts and sometimes I will make assumptions that are untrue because I'm trying to read in so much and I need to be careful not to do that um but in general someone can say something and very often I will read two or three layers of subtext I mean, if it's, a, if it's a particularly layered phrase, I can read two or three layers of subtext into it that's accurate based on what I know of the person, especially if I have an ongoing friendship with that person. Um, and, and this is why when I follow people on social media, historically, when I was relational on the internet, on social media... And I and I, I I mentioned this in my um, oof, where I was talking about friend breakups, um, value conflicts. Yeah, that was a hard episode. Um, but I make it a real priority. If I'm friends with someone, historically, I have watched every single piece of content they've put on the internet. There was a time where I read every single tweet in my feed for three years straight. Every single tweet. (laughs) That's what they call a legacy Twitter user. (laughs) The app will not let you do that today, and they've just deactivated um, external API, so TweetBot and other similar apps don't do that anymore and my husband is absolutely beside himself and bereft and very sad so um but I'm a very very dedicated person in that way and I had to adjust to the fact that other people are not like other people just follow casually Like, they'll follow 3,000 people on Instagram, and whoever they see is who they see. Um, You know, and it's just... (sighs) I can't live like that. And Lord knows I've lost a lot of acquaintances by taking my feeling of overwhelm and purging my follows list purging my my Facebook friends list and by God's mercy he has he's given me peace about doing that and it's painful it's not fun um there are people who would still be friends with me if I would just like I had a friend who had an acquaintance. She was parasocial with me. I barely knew her. And because I unfollowed her, it it hurt her feelings. But when I followed her and I had everything muted, she she was fine with that. Like whereas I'm the opposite. 
I don't care if you follow me or not. I want to have a relationship in the direct messages. And I've had to wean myself off of them because I'm not relational on the internet at this time. But I have to trust that, you know, God used me in her life for a season. And um, she doesn't need me to follow Christ. She doesn't need me. I'm there, there are plenty other wonderful people who can help her in her journey. And if she wants to come around later and get into my content, great. It's up. But um, God has been very gracious that his plan for me did not involve me maintaining a bunch of acquaintances because I'm absolutely rubbish at that. Rubbish. I just, I... Meanwhile, my friend Annalise follows close to a thousand people and the contrast the difference between me and Annalise like we have there's so many areas in life in our lives where her situation is one way and my situation is the opposite um but then we have enough similarities we're able to appreciate the person's opposite or we'll have like a sample size of what the other person's going through really fun like that so she has a very high tolerance for reading posts from people that she disagrees with and just scrolling on. That's not how I'm wired. My personality is where I have a very, very strong desire to take action on what I feel. And for me, when people are wrong, that's one more thing I have to filter. That's one more thing I have to have self-control over. And Self-control is the friend of love. And I have had to learn that sometimes the best choice for me is to have boundaries in certain relationships. And the best way for me to have boundaries is for me to not allow myself to initiate because it's only going to get myself hurt. Because... (laughs) I am like, I, I don't know what is in D&D, but I, I'm, yeah, roll, roll for initiative. Like, I don't know what the skill set is that contributes to having a really high one of those, but I got a really high one of those because I, I jump into action. So, and it's taken a lot of years of maturity to learn to slow down before I speak, take action, open up a topic of conversation, open up a disagreement. Um, and if I see someone post something that I disagree with, that weighs on me. I, I pray for them. It, 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 it soaks up emotional energy. I'm, I'm a very deep feeler. <laughs> so on one hand, I have a lot of emotion. But on the other hand, it's like... If my emotions are a checking account and I can only write big checks, I, I, it's like I can't spend $2, I have to spend 50 Like there's just, there's like a minimum. I don't even know how to explain it. This is the best analogy I have. Thank you for bearing with me and this tangent. Um, and part of the reason I'm talking about it is because it's, it's been a really hard adjustment. This is one of the things that I, 
God chose this for me very specifically. And it's been one of the hardest things for me to make peace with. Um, I, I'm thinking of my feather sticker and the caption I wrote for it. You know, there, when I accept how God made me, I fly. And the entire circle of flight images, they're all about... Accepting how God made you and finding success in that. Um, and so accepting how God has made me with this personality trait, it's... Yeah. It's just weird. Um, I mean... I I, I remember interactions, social interactions from years ago that were small and minor and, um, Annalise, (laughs) okay, story time, so, and then I promise I will get back to mentorship, so I was sitting at the computer, I mean, it was a, it was our TV connected to the computer in June of last year, editing the Psalm 23 coloring pages, FaceTiming Annalise, which we do regularly. And we were keeping each other company while she was working. And she spent, I spent two hours working on those coloring pages in between talking with her. And she spent two hours replying to direct messages in between talking to me. Two hours nonstop, back to back to back to back, hearing people's life stories and thoughts and responses and validating them. And one of the things she's told me is a lot of people just want to be heard. And the painful truth is that I am such a deep, sensitive person that I only have so much energy to listen to so many people. You know, I would read those DMs and... I would be emotionally overwhelmed in 15 minutes. And I it would be very difficult for me to not want to send individually crafted specific messages to each and every one of those people and spend the entire day on that. But here's the thing. If I spent the entire day on that, I wouldn't have the emotional energy to work on my coloring pages. I wouldn't have the emotional energy to work on these coloring booklets. So God has protected me over and over and over again because he knows how much I cannot handle. And so when you're going into a mentorship, as a mentor, you need to be aware of what you're good at and what you're not. And I think you should tell your mentee, hey, I struggle with XYZ. And so it will really help me if you could balance that out by doing this or don't send me text messages after 7 p.m um you know maybe that's a external boundary maybe maybe that's a, a boundary that you set that you ask them to uphold but maybe the, the personal boundary that you ask for yourself is that you you turn your phone off and you plug it in and you set it down um in a box somewhere away from whatever it is that's important to you 
Um, and, and I think as a mentee going into a mentorship, you need to be looking for, <laughs> I'm going to say this bluntly just because we are already so deep in this podcast, but you need to be looking for the weak points in your mentor and praying for them. You know, and I want to say this delicately, like when you see weak points in your mentor, and maybe you don't, but if you tried to offer up words to encourage them, those words might not resonate because you don't understand their life history. However, if you pray for those things, and then later on God gives you words, very likely it'll be spot on. Because God will give you wisdom into what they need to hear. And... As a mentee, doing things to invest in your mentor is really important to sustaining the mentorship. Um, that's something I've not always done well, to be honest, and I have a lot of regrets. Um, I had a mentor in Pittsburgh who took time out of her life for me, and I... I got to a place where I got tired of driving as far as I was and I I tried to renegotiate and she wasn't willing to cross that boundary and drive farther and I just stopped meeting with her. And I wish I hadn't done that because I probably would have handled those situations with more wisdom. And some of those things, I, I sinned and I was selfish and I was prideful in areas that I deeply regret and I hurt people and I, I, I made Jesus look bad to them and, you know, whether or not they come to Christ is his decision, but I certainly didn't help um, and that makes me sad. So, um, I wish I'd maintained that mentorship. Um, but, you know, we're here now. I can't go back and do anything about that. But I can learn from it and I can move forward. <sighs> Something else that you want to watch out for with mentorships. As a mentee. Well, as a mentor. It is very common that... A potential mentor going into a mentoring relationship is doing it to validate themselves. And it's very common. And, and a lot of times people don't even realize that they're doing this. So that's why it's so important to look out for. People will go into mentorships, and I can't speak for men, but certainly women will go into mentorships because they feel like if they can help someone else, it will validate their own healing process. But that in itself is a sign that they're really not healed. And in a lot of cases, they probably shouldn't be mentoring. 
God can still use it, um, but the biggest telltale sign that a mentor is going into a mentoring relationship with this underlying motive is that the mentee, they will be controlling of the mentee. And there's two reasons for this a lot of times. And I think one of the worst ones is pride. The worst, the worst of the two is pride. Because they expect the mentee to do what they tell them to do. So that it reflects well on them. And unfortunately, I went into... When I left home, I, I was very codependent with my mom. And so even four years later, I went looking for female relationships where I, I went looking for an older female friend who would tell me what to do and be controlling of me. <laughs> Some of you just had a massive brain explosion. Yes, it's a thing. Welcome. Codependency is really weird. Um, and ultimately, God gave me... I was in a friend circle with that woman. Specifically. One specific woman. And God actually gave me a dream to show me that I should break up with that entire friend group. And thank God he did because I was so confused about everybody in that friend group, well, her and a guy in particular that my father didn't respect, and that gave me clarity on that issue. But a lot of times, if you don't have a dad and you don't have men who can speak into your life, then that's also hard to get masculine input. And anyways, so because I had that dream telling me that I needed to break up with that friend group, when I finally broke up with her and she pounded my phone with texts, like scripture and like trying to control me, I had conviction and I was grounded and I had peace that I knew I was doing the right thing because God had given me this clarity from this dream. And that's his prerogative. Like don't, don't go out asking for dreams. Ask God to give you wisdom and clarity and he will communicate how he sees fit. I need to repeat that again in my dreams, my Doctrine and Dreams video when I finally record it. Like, it's only been on my mind for like a bajillion months now. Anyways. So that's the first one. A lot of times in the mentoring relationship, a woman will go, a, a mentor will go in trying to control because of pride. Another reason that a mentor will try and control a mentee is because of fear. And this is the more well-intentioned of the two, but it's still very unhealthy. Um, and so fear, the motivation is, if you don't do what I tell you, then you're going to hurt yourself. And I've invested so much emotional energy in you that 
I don't have the emotional margin to trust God with you, to trust God with all the emotional energy that I've invested in you. And the two of these, pride and fear, are the root, I think, of every single spiritual abuse. I just... I'm I'm still wrestling with all of the... That's my working hypothesis, and I, I need more... Well... I don't necessarily want more practical examples because that'll soak up my emotional energy, but I'm I'm working out the hypothesis. And as I slowly but surely have more practical examples, I will test out that hypothesis and turn it into a working theory. And then at some point, I'll actually tweet about it and make an Instagram post, and then it will live on in print form for as long as I am... For as long as the Lord decides that I shall have an Instagram. So... Um, yeah, so learning to trust God with people, I think, is one of the most crucial elements of mentoring. I have to invest in the person in front of me, knowing that they could run away from Jesus tomorrow, and I have to trust their soul to him. And to be honest, the girls that I feel most sad about have done that. But God is faithful and if they are his, He will bring them back to himself. And he doesn't need me to do that. If this podcast has given you something to think about, something you need to work through and process, I would encourage you to click the link in the description. InverseDream.com slash podcast slash friendship. There will be a web form there that will connect you with a digital mentor. This is not a professional counselor, simply a Christian who wants to encourage you. And also, they're not alone. They have a ministry behind them that's there to help them mentor you. So please click that link and go to the web form and tell them what you've been struggling with. They want to help you. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Meg, and I love my Jesus, and I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Live it.